Are you at a crossroads in life with unanswered questions? How does your past connect to your present life? October Hallam can help you discover how your past connects to your present and is shaping your future. October is an intuitive, healer, empath, and medium with over 20 years of experience helping people navigate through some of life's greatest challenges. A recent client from Egypt says, October is pure magic. We keep coming back for more and recommended her to our closest friends. If you would like to book a session with October, please contact her at theancientgift222 at gmail.com. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, my guest is Barry Littleton. Before I bring him on, I have to thank Curiosity Stream. They are the award-winning destination for documentary series and features covering every topic from space exploration to adventure. Satisfy your thirst for knowledge anytime and anywhere with Curiosity Stream. Their subscriptions start at only $2.99 a month. Uh, so just click the link in the description to sign up today. Also, please subscribe to Forbidden Knowledge News on LBRY.com. It's our official backup channel. And you can always find us on all popular podcast platforms. Tonight, I want to welcome back to the show, Barry Littleton. He began having paranormal experiences at a very young age, including encounters with extraterrestrial beings. These encounters led him to a lifetime of research and exploration into both the metaphysical and paranormal fields. He has an education majoring in psychology, sociology, and ethnic studies. For the last 22 years, he has worked with at-risk youth and juvenile offenders through utilizing the cognitive behavioral approach. Barry, welcome back, and how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I wish we could have gotten the video working, but unfortunately we had some issues going on there, but that's fine. As long as we get to talk to you, that's great. Now, uh, since we last spoke, so much has happened. Um, we got a little echo on your side, Barry. I'm not sure we can do anything about that, but, um, you know, we've seen a global event complete with lockdowns, global hysteria. It's been a year of new conspiracies, old conspiracies that have been proven true. Some have been disproven. And, of course, we have talk of UFOs and extraterrestrials in the mainstream media and our own government. Uh, it's been an interesting year, to say the least, so far. So I'd like to start out with hearing how has 2020 been in your life so far? Um, you know, as everybody, different, definitely different. I had uh, was actually in Australia until February, uh, early February, and I came back then. And uh, at that time, you know, the whole virus thing was just starting to be announced in Wuhan. So I saw some slight differences happening, but it had not hit yet as it was going to change our lives. I mean, uh, the amount of uh, businesses that are being lost is a shame. And just our whole way of life has completely been modified for a very long time, it appears. So for me, I've just been kind of trying to stay abreast of that and stay healthy and kind of trying to help with whatever it is that's happening consciously on this planet right now. 
because I think this is also bringing about a conscious shift uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. There seems to be this major conscious shift going on around the planet right now uh, where people are not only seeing through some of the lies they've been told from the mainstream media and our global leaders our whole lives, but they're awakening to more metaphysical and even spiritual aspects, which is very fascinating to me. I think that we're going to be in for some uh, very interesting changes in the years to come. Yes, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. You know, it, 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 it's being pretty obvious that we're being prepared for something in terms of, I think, not just contact, but if you want to say, you know, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals, uh, ascended masters, these type of beings that will be coming back here, angelics, that will be more readily accessible and visible in our, in our society. Uh, that's happened, that's been like that once before in the past. And I think it's us coming, what they call a type one civilization and transitioning into that is what is what's beginning to happening right now. So I think that's what we're being prepared for. You know, I want to yeah. stay positive yeah. with that as opposed to thinking, uh, you know, the negative destruction factor and death and gloom, you know. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and I do want to talk a bit about what's been going on in the mainstream with disclosure and talk of UFOs a little later. Um, but first, it's been a while since you've been on. You've had contact experiences from a very young age and paranormal experiences as well right yes that's correct that's correct they happened when i was a child and then went on into my what i call childhood experiences then into adulthood experiences and um, now as a child were these more uh paranormal or did you have more uh et contact in the beginning i was et contact you know at first it was a very strange friend that starts showing up and playing with me for just little brief times and then taking off. Um, then later on, I saw this individual on one of these crafts because I would wake up on crafts several times that happened or wake up in what appeared to be like a room with uh, some things on a table and you're supposed to do things that were telekinetic with your, with your mind, with the stuff on this table. And that was like, and I kind of called that a school. It seemed like that, but it wasn't the same school I went to during the day. And I've heard other people call that the mystery school since then. So little things like that happened to me when I was a child. But uh, as getting older, like in about the sixth grade, I had something happen with what I call a acid rain experience. And it was when so much so that these encounters lapped over into my normal life, my daily life, that was no doubt it was real. You know, I thought it was anyway, but when it's something that scientifically starts getting backed up in your real life, it changes things. When you say acid rain experiences, what do you what do you mean by that? I had woke up one night and I'm on board this craft, and um, there is uh, a screen, like a screen in this room, and over this room, like I can in the screen, I can see these UFOs. It looks like they're hovering over, we're hovering over this like a snowy pass, like maybe the Rocky Mountains or something similar to that that I had not ever seen before. And these craft out there look like they're sucking up. Uh, clouds, smog into their under underbellies, and they're emitting a type of a light. And there's an individual floating next to this um, screen, and he's an insectoid. And when I say that, um, this individual I had met before, but didn't recognize him in the same fashion. So I think it says something to what these beings can do consciously, optically to you, through the optical nerves. 
but um, he uh, was floating there and he's telling me that the acid rain was bad for our planet and they're trying to help reverse it, but they're having problems with it too. They can only do so much. And I never heard that term, acid rain. And so automatically I'm wondering if I'm being deceived in some way or something like that. And that was a major part of this experience. But fast forward a week later, I'm uh, in the sixth grade and my teacher used to have us read something that was called uh, the Scholastic News for current events. And on Friday, she'd tend to have somebody stand up there and, and read it, at least, at least the main article. And I got chose that week. And I'll never forget it because it was a picture of the Statue of Liberty on the front of the Scholastic News. And when I read this article, it was about the Statue of Liberty had been shut down because it was getting repainted due to uh, acid rain. So certain parts of it were not able to be toured. And they were repainting it for that reason. And when I saw those words in print, I mean, you can't just, you know, imagine that type of stuff. <laughs> so it very much changed my life when I knew the encounters were very much real and i tried to take it to another level from there now for most of your encounters were these physical or more of uh astral or in your dream states um how did they how did most of these occur for me they were physical i'm one of the according to ray hernandez's uh free survey that they did i'm one of the few that has the mostly physical encounters you know i'd had a few that were astral like too but i don't really talk about those as much because for me those lack the tangibility of a physical experience you know when i when i'm getting sick because of the environment there or i'm able to touch things you know that's a whole different type of experience so hello yeah, sorry about that. My mic sorry was off for that. a second. Oh, now, with so many different people <laughs> reporting different entities and experiences and completely different kinds, um, it makes me wonder, you know, what kind of beings that, first of all, you're dealing with as opposed to some of these other ones, because we've ha I've had my own contact experience, and it was more of a, a, an etheric type of uh, being that I was dealing with. Do you think that these are physical on some aspect, maybe, or, uh, you know, on their own physical plane and they're projecting somehow for this communication? Um, or do you think it's a little bit of both that they're actually physically coming and, and interacting with you and taking you places? I, I, you've got a little bit of both, you know, for me, it's a matter of when these beings choose to, I'd say it's a slow of their vibration where they become physical enough for us to interact with each other and to be on board one of their crafts, because there's definitely a vibration difference. And in that way, um, I mentioned before, I think on your show too, that there's something I experienced in all these experiences on board these craft that they termed temporal aphasia, which is where the inside and outside of those craft are not in the same dimension. And for the one of the crafts I was on, they're bigger on the inside, or they seem like they're almost moving around you to a degree and it makes you very sick almost like being on a merry-go-round or seasick it's a feeling like that but a little bit more intense and there's also like a mist on board this craft and every room has a different this mist to, to varying degrees but to me it's not like a type of a windex and ammonia so you're breathing that in it makes it difficult to breathe you feel like you're off kilter being pulled down to a degree so that's like a dizziness that happens that will eventually 
cause uh, your deterioration of motor skills and things of that nature that win the experiences. So when I've seen individuals on a craft in their quote unquote dream body, astral body, they look kind of transparent, touching the light on one of these, one of these engines on one of these crafts. I know that they weren't suffering from temporal aphasia like I was. I'm standing there looking at them, watching them do this. I'm about to, to puke, getting really close. They're not having those type of problems because the astral body, the dream body doesn't pertain to the same physical parameters that our, our meat and flesh bodies do. So it says something about people that are having astral and dream experiences. I don't put those down. You know, they're just different um, for different reasons. But for me, I'm more comfortable talking about the physical ones because that's where I obtain the most information also and where the missing time comes in. Now, when these beings approach you, uh, is it usually when you're alone, like going to bed, or um, have they ever approached you when you were with other people? Um, how does it usually happen? When, when I was a kid, I would wake up on this craft. And um, I interacted with one individual that came around that I found out later was connected to this. But he was actually somebody who was just playing with me. When I was a kid, he'd only show up sometimes. Now, when I went into adult onset experiences, uh, crafts started coming up on me. And uh, three of those times I was with somebody else, somebody that I had dated at that time. And they're seeing the craft, then the missing time. And But after after the missing time, you know the experience. And you just been experienced like on a field trip, you know, because the information is there. For me, it was the technology, the information they had given, and I could. But the further you get away from the event horizon, the more it starts to fade. And I think that says a lot about when we deal with either beings or environments that are of a very fast vibration. What is that really like? It makes the retention of memory sometimes difficult of the event. The further you get from the event horizon, does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does make sense. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And you had mentioned that on many of these crafts, they have some sort of either organic um, material or the walls are made of some sort of um, it's biological, um, something that seems to have some sort of uh, living you know, aspect to it. Uh, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. And they had given me a compound that they used for the craft. Because I'm come very, you know, and the thing is, when you're in there, so much information comes to you. I think both from the beings themselves, but I will stick with this from the craft itself because it's conscious, it's it's alive. So it's you know, and um, so there's a certain amount of information that's being transmit transmitted and tele telethought at all times. Just like I think, because for me, I'm walking around in there, and the beings are so busy doing what they do, I'm not really even being escorted. But I'm so getting so sick from this aphasia, I'm not much of a threat. But two, I'm getting information constantly, and I think it's coming from the craft. So it must be knowing my intentions as well. And this type, so the organic nature would be a fungus, a type of a fungus. The compound that they're giving me, you know, tele telethought through the experience was that the compound they use is a type of a metal and now I know we call these metamaterials now metametals that are coming from planets that are devoid of Van Allen belts and atmospheres. And what happens is those planets get the 
minerals get bombarded by a solar radiation unknown here on earth, you know. So that's one part of the compound. The next is a fungus. And then the third part is a DNA of the crew themselves. And this combination is actually grown, you know, fungus grows over a wormhole. Micro, I would assume. But nonetheless, that means the engine itself is temporally displaced. The engine itself is is a wormhole. It's a black hole. That's how that's what actually functions of it. So in, a, in that way there, the craft is very much alive. So when dealing with craft that come here to this planet and taking it away from expanding our parameters, Chris, away from what we're hearing about the reptilians and the greys and the super soldiers, you know, that's all very exciting. But let's get to the real parameters of contact for those of us that are not military involved that we're not having negative experiences either. It's a different thing going on. So when thinking about one of these organic craft and how they truly would communicate with this planet, it would be through the tree system. And if you look at the kind of symbiotic connection that mushrooms have to trees, it's very interesting. And fungus to trees, it's very interesting. It means you've got something going on there. And that's I think that's very, very very serious and even taking that a step forward i've done a few videos about this the uh, earth's deep biosphere where 99 percent of not sorry 95 percent of earth's bacteria that's never been discovered exists that's another place when you see craft going underground are they all going to these bases or are some of them communicating organically and symbiotically with the with the um with the earth the same way the crew members with their DNA, they're connected to the craft also. So not all the flying is going on at consoles all the time. You know what I mean? A lot yeah, of Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Connection. Yeah, there's symbiotic connection between them and the craft itself. So that that is, you know, takes it to another level, I think. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Now, you mentioned um, these to, different to, races. Real, no, go ahead. To just real quick, uh, just one thing I'll throw in. Right now, just um, I'm going to be talking about this more later, but I advise everyone to check out what they're actually doing right now with mycelium and mushrooms scientifically. You know, they're trying to make mushroom houses for astronauts on Mars for the habitation. And also they're using types of mushrooms to uh, fungus to actually reconstruct buildings and bridges and things like that. And they're talking about fungal computers and another type of fungus they found that eats plastic and right now that's a main problem right here on this planet we look at that big uh island of plastic that's floating around in the, in the oceans so anyway um just something to just something to, to, to throw in there because for me the contact experience doesn't mean much if it can't benefit our daily lives that's where i'm kind of at with this yeah that's pretty awesome now, I want to go back for a second to when you were mentioning the different species of greys that, you know, typically people will mention, um, you know, greys, reptilians, things, uh, insect beings, things of that nature. Now, I'd like to know if you've had any uh, particular experience with the greys. A lot of the uh, abductees and contactees that I've interviewed have mostly, if they've experienced anything with the greys, it's been negative. And of course, we have the different types. They have 
reported, you know, smaller robotic type grays, uh, larger, more human intelligent uh, type grays. Have you had any experience with any of these grays? And if not, what is the most frequent race that you have contact with? I, uh, you know, I've, I've not ever had contact with grays or reptilians, but I have encountered these little blue guys on an experience. And when I say little, these gentlemen were, these, these beings were, oh, I'd say putting them at knee level is almost too tall. They were very small and they were extremely blue and they had on these blue suits. And, and why I say, when I use them to answer your question is because in some ways their humanoid form seems similar to a gray, but they, they just weren't grays. And they claim to be from Andromeda is what they're putting, telling me in my mind. Um, that'd be one. Now, the beings I've dealt with have been all different sorts. And it started off with the insectoid, all right? And then it moved to another being that was uh, introduced itself to me. Most of them don't have names, but this one did. His name was Mana, M-A-A-N-A. And this creature was over seven feet tall. And what was so distinctive about it was the eyes were very dark, almost obsidian look like that catch your attention. But also it looked like the brain was exposed on the outside. Like it has a brain on the outside, hard, almost like the way you would see a, um, like an armadillo shell. It's kind of hard in that way, but it looked brain-like, like an exposed brain. And the only thing on earth I can tell you that looks similar to me, quite similar, is our brain coral in our sea, brain coral. And, you know, later on that brought me to uh, this information is I wonder why some of these beings would step backwards or step back and others would come forward, you know, from when I was younger and getting older. And like, that's one of the beings I saw on several ships and other uh, species, uh, smaller ones of this being too, like just smaller than that one in stature on a craft. So I want to know how come that one doesn't step forward anymore. And I start getting information about the bleaching of coral and excuse my language, but I didn't know really what the hell that was. I was a little uninformed in that. So I had to start looking this up and I start finding out the bleaching of the Great Barrier, Barrier Reef and then what they're calling super corals also that are resistant to this bleaching effect that they're trying to repopulate the reefs with. So, I mean, and at where this is coming from, so it makes me wonder, I was wondering like, why would this being mana, this head that looks like brain coral, be attached to Earth in the Earth matrix? When I get in the presence of any of these non-humans, first I ask, where were they from? What they want? And, you know, and the information comes back quick. They start answering you telepathically before you fully formulate the question. Yes, that's, that's exactly little, the that's, same type of experience that I had. Uh, you would ask a question and you'd get the answer before you were finished. Let me ask a question. Now, Chris, how long did you find that dis disconcerting when it was happening? How long did it kind of trip you out as it was happening? For me, it took this, me a little while to get used to it. This was through a meditation experience, um, completely unexpected. And I actually had to um, ask this being quite a few questions before I felt comfortable speaking with it. Um, I ended up even going back to my old religious dogma and asking if it was evil in the name of Christ. <laughs> uh, but it, it it was giving me these overwhelming feelings of love and compassion that I've never felt before. So that was an indicator to me that I was, I was speaking with, you know, a, a very, um, 
benevolent being, uh, just these <laughs> profound feelings that I was receiving from this being. It was amazing. And the contact, uh, the communication was instantaneous, just like you said. See, see, that, that, that's real contact you just described. Thanks for sharing that. That, that is exactly how, how it works. You know, cause I, I'm sorry, when I get in the presence of any of them, I start freaking out, man. And that's what I started asking too, like, oh, you know, are, are you demons? Because I could be getting tricked. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was just saying. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I'm sorry, I cut out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you could be getting tricked, definitely. But at the same time, there's so much of an overwhelming higher vibration of love coming from them that it nullifies some of that. And then I started getting the same answer from all of them. And at first I was somewhat leery of it because I have no religion. And they started saying like the Christ consciousness and the Christ energy. And I'm like, Oh, nothing. yes, I was told the same thing. That is crazy. And, yeah. And, and then they, they start before I could start doubting, you know, saying, Oh no, not the, they try to, you know, brainwash me or something, but they start saying, no, this is not about any one human socioeconomic right. religion. This is about a frequency, a love frequency of the creator that you can access. And they it's had alluded very... that there, there might even be a higher frequency than that. They were alluding to that. They didn't say that, but I was getting that impression from them, you know, and like they're trying to, they're using that. And I've never been hurt. I've never been harmed. I've never had uh, any sexual connotation to any of my uh, experiences, you know? So, but yeah, I find it very interesting that you, you mentioned the Christ consciousness because that was brought up in my contact confirmation as uh, conversation as well. They, uh, this being said that he was part of a group that spreads Christ consciousness around the galaxy. Mm -hmm. It's not the type that we think of as the, you know, dogma biblical type of, you know, fire and brimstone type, you know? That's cool, man. That's, that's cool. I mean, it, you know, we can't just make this stuff up. You know what I mean? I, it, 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 it's really a trip. And that, that, thank you for confirming that. Because, I mean, every one of these beings I dealt with, there, there were one of them, uh, these three beings. And this is one. This is one experience that was like they bilocated me. I would tell you it was a physical experience, but I was still present. But then they took me somewhere else. They, like, bilocated my astral body, my dream body. And these are these three beings that I call throne beings. And when I start asking them, where they're from, they gave me a different term. And I'll be honest, since I'm not religious, I had to look it up. They were saying the office of the Christ. Very and I know they come in three, like some trinities. So I had to look that up. Really, what what is that? You know, so, but yet then again, they were telling me that they were, they, they gave me the name Plagiarians. And I was somewhat leery of that name, the J in it. And I was like, well, you know, because that's the Pleiadians, and they, you know, have a thing with the Fabio thing, and yada 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 yada. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> they start saying, you know, communicating with me, they're over that sector of space, that sector of space, and it's beyond what I'm thinking of, you know, like Barbara Marchanique's thing. So it's, it, you know, and I don't, like, I, I can't say where it begins and ends, but I know that some of these extraterrestrial, interdimensionals. Because I asked, Chris, I asked my entire life, who all you are, where you, not just where you're from, but who you're from. Right. They start telling me places that are like, at first, like the insectoids telling me like, uh, communicating with me, you won't understand. But I thought I was heavy because I was watching Doctor Who. I watched, uh, you know, Logan's Run, whatever, man. I thought Buck Rogers, I thought I was heavy. And he's communicating with me 900 million light years out beyond the space-time continuum 
And he's right. I didn't know what that meant. And he's put in my mind, since you don't understand, think of the third and fourth planets outside of Pluto. They're jumping off bases for your solar system because we have problems with the density. And immediately when I'm being communicated with this, when I can sort that part of the information out as it's come in so all at once, I'm asking, okay, are you lying to me? Because there are no planets outside of Pluto. And there again, he's saying, you, you don't understand yet. Now, fast forward that like 30 years later, or like 25 years later, I'm sitting in my office and I come across an article that they discover trans-Neptunian objects. Exoplanets. Which, yeah, yeah, which, which is, in that, and that particular one is the belt, the Kuiper belt that's outside of Pluto. And there are several of them that are the size of Pluto almost. And I started, they even got names for the third and fourth one. So I'm thinking, my Lord, you know, that's something years later that scientifically comes back. I know some people jump on me because I use science a lot, but science to me is a true foundation, a basis foundation for these encounters. Because when true disclosure comes out, like you were talking about earlier, I, it's going to be shown in the lab. It's going to come out in the lab, opposed to these politicians actually admitting to anything. So once again, it goes to how does the contact experience affect our daily lives? You know. Yeah, yeah, help definitely. Us, help us. And I wanted to ask you, um, this is regarding my experience. Um, sure. I was told that this was happening, and I, this, this actually only happened to me um, a few months ago. It was my first paranormal contact anything any strange experience i've ever had and it only happened oh, cool. a few months ago oh, cool. and i was told that i was you know um that i was actually ready to receive this communication that's why they were coming to me now um and i you know i was given huge vast amount of information mm -hmm. that i'm still kind of unpacking but it was basically that you know the this planet has some troubles on it and that I have a job to do, which I'm, I'm currently doing, and each of us do. Um, and it was very profound, the information uh, that he was telling me, but it had a sense of urgency that, uh, you know, people need to kind of come around to this mentality of this Christ consciousness uh, that, you know, we need to get more people on board with that. Is that something you've ever uh, experienced? Yes, yes, yes. You know, and I, I would... I would frequently, I, I, tr I tried to telepathically ask for like, what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, I never, they never answer, but they did show me something in the past. They said, this will never happen again. And it's like yeah. the earth being completely burned out. And so I think that as far as the age of the earth and the real wars that have happened here goes far beyond what we're told in social media and religiously or anything else. Oh, yeah, so, I think you know, we've had that, rise yeah. and fall of civilizations throughout time. Um, you know, we the the good versus the bad will come to a head. But, uh, I, you know, from the messages, I was told that the good sides always come out on top throughout these rise and fall of civilizations. You know, this, 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 these, these beings, when they, when they gave me this, and okay, when I, when I actually got this name, I was 36 years old. I had been in a really bad car accident that completely changed my life. Uh, my recovery went very well, but I was, I used to do these morning walks around 4 a.m. Like, hey, I survived all these uh, traumatic, this, this traumatic brain injuries I had gotten in this accident in 2010. And, uh, you know, so celebrating that walk around and all of a sudden my telepathy goes off. And after all those years, they choose to give me a name just out of nowhere, you know, in the middle of the morning, 
and the name I'm getting after all these years and interrogating all these beings, it is extragalactic interdimensional cooperative alliance. And you know, the only reply I could give Chris is I was like, this, this is an effing joke. I'm not supposed to tell people that <laughs> that that is worse than saying the Ashtar Command or the Galactic Federation. That's even worse, right? Right. You know. You know. So you know. But then they 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 hit me back, and it's with such intense seriousness that they're not joking, and they say emphasis on the cooperative. We go from the micro to the macro, and I think I know more what that means now when we start dealing with the miniaturization and going not just nano, but pico, and some of these civilizations that would be living in a Dyson sphere. I mean, if we think, if we think of it scientifically, I don't want to get too far off, but things like what Dr. Lear proved in the implants he pulled out of people that were microscopic, yeah. but they had miles worth of uh, carbon nanotubes in them. Now, if you're dealing with a civilization that can do that, and they've gone even smaller to the pico, which whatever that uh, scientific uh, computer deal is, it shows that the microchips get smaller each year. Um, if, th if that's correct, then we go to something that's go to the Pico and we have a civilization that's built a Dyson sphere around their solar system, like a, a Death Star or whatever, you know, but that type of engineering structure, they would be exploring the universe through inner space you know, like Martin Short or something. No, I'm just kidding. But but seriously, they <laughs> they would they'd be experiencing it through inner space, though. And I think for us, when dealing with the contact phenomenon, that's very serious, and we need to really, you know, kind of think of that. And when someone is having quote unquote an astral experience, that astral body, the dream body, is not conforming to the physical parameters, so their perception could be put into a pin needle. And they could be experiencing one of those worlds, one of those civilizations. It's just food for thought, because I think we're so much more capable perceptually and awareness than what uh, we've been left to led to believe. And speaking of us being more than we're led to believe, I wonder about the accounts of hybrid programs from abductees where they say that they'll meet like a, one of their hybrid children on a ship and they'll see these programmed, you know, genetic programs where sperm and eggs are being taken and manipulated. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on what's going on with these hybrid programs. Um, have they always been, is it just something that they've always done? Because sometimes humanity seems like a big experiment sometimes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, although I've not experienced that personally, you know, I, I've seen something that would be technology and a being that I think was taken care of, maybe perhaps hybrids or something, but not see hybrids. Um, I, I would say two things. One is maybe we need to really think about there is a war of timelines going on and that some of these graves, some of these species that are sexually dealing with uh, abductees and reproduction is this something to do with the fact in the future something happens to the genetics of this planet and certain people can't reproduce anymore? I think that's one thing to look at enduring in this. And I, so I don't know if it's like a galactic thing as much as it may be something that's going on on this planet to keep things going. 
you know, I, I, since I haven't had that experience, I can't make that, that, that determination, but I will say this, um, there's every indication on this planet that it is a laboratory and you have these creatures that, and in that way, scientifically, you have these creatures that would pop up and then they just disappear. They turn into myth, legend, part of the fossil record. You know, but if you start looking at that, it becomes really something to evaluate. I was reading a book. Uh, I just did a video. Of, like, sometimes I deal with, I, I like to read, but there's a book called the Uranta book. And um, yeah, I've yeah. got issues. I, 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 mean, I read that when I was actually a freshman in high school. Somebody laid that on me. It took me about a year to read it. Cause it's pretty thick. But I, I have problems with the racial thing in it, the ethnic thing, which has been disproved by now, definitely. So I got problems with that, but then I realized also that is written with what they say about melanin dominant people to stop people like me from reading it. So when I put my personal bias aside and really examine the information in there, there's a great deal of it. You know, it's just going over one that was talking about uh, what they call midway creatures. And that was in the Earth's history and the midway creatures are the permanent citizens of Uranta, quote unquote, Earth. And that's uh, and then they start talking about how every tenth planet in this galaxy is an experimental planet, in which all these different genetic things are introduced and experimented with, and how quote unquote Uranta Earth is one of those planets, and how many celestial civilizations come here and do experimentation. And I think we see a lot of we see a lot of evidence of that right now. You know, and as far as the hybrid project, would it be anything different? Any different than some type of a terraforming, some type of way of replacing a homo sapien, sapien, food for thought, you know. Definitely. And I want to ask you a little bit more on the metaphysical side about um, your thoughts on reincarnation and soul contracts. I've interviewed plenty of um, people who have had near-death experiences, and they're either eating, meeting with these uh, etheric beings or even extraterrestrials sometimes or family members, and they have this life review and many, uh, many have told me that this life review is not a judgment from these beings or God or anything like that. It's just your own. So you can judge yourself, see your own life review and choose if you want to go back again. Uh, what are your thoughts on things like this that have been reported? Okay. I, um, <clears throat> I had spent a lot of time kind of studying about death, the death process. Like the Tibetan, uh, the Bar- the Bar- the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and things like that. But then in 2010, I had this accident, and like I said, I took four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries, and I died on the way to the hospital. They told me like twice, technically, I had to be resuscitated. But they uh, during this time, when about time when I remembered who I was and cleared out and recovered, I could still see these angelics in my mind's eye. And to this day, you know, the healing and the fact that I recovered the way I did to the same person I was before amazes people, nearly impossible. And I know that these beings had a lot to do with it. And um, in that way, I would say that I would call them archangels, but there's a term in there. Oh, wow. That's because you read the book, a term that they call angels, super nanothem. 
I say these were super nanofilm and they were absolutely regal. And the vibration of them was so high and the love frequency was so high. I think not just they helped channel the people that were praying for me and the healing energy of the creator to help me to heal the way I did, but any more Christ consciousness, love frequency than that, Chris, I think would have burned out my chakras. It might cause us to have something <laughs> like spontaneous combust. I mean, you don't wow. think that love could hurt like that, but we're not producing that level. So I took, after I recovered and everything, thinking about this poses towards some of the extraterrestrials, quote unquote, interdimensionals I've dealt with that are of the super high vibration loving thing too. And uh, there's a difference though. As much respect as I have for the star beings and everything, they were not at the level of these angelics and neither were the earth, the earth angels and other angelic forms I seem to have interacted with. They weren't like these beings. And these beings were not in humanoid form. They were pure light, like a thousand strands of light. And, they, you know, it, that's a, and I could see it in my mind's eye, even before I remembered who the hell I was when I woke up. <laughs> that's one of the hardest so, things uh, to describe is that profound feeling of love that I felt. There was not like anything I've experienced in my life, unfortunately, not even with like family members or you know ex-girlfriends i've never felt this type of it's like what i would call an unearthly type of love is the only thing i could yeah. describe it as you know you know chris chris don't you think we must we must be capable of that and more of that you know so we must be really getting shorted out here i mean don't you think i would definitely we, we must so. be capable yeah. of it or they wouldn't share it with us yeah that makes sense <laughs> it definitely makes sense <laughs> Yeah, you see, you come to the same conclusion I did like that because I was thinking like, I was like, wow. Well, how come? Because I know I certainly love my family, you know, but I was like, man, I can't quite seem to project the type of love that they're, you know what I mean? It's, hey, it's exactly. a different frequency of it. Yeah, and it makes me feel like I'm coming up a bit short or maybe that's part of our evolution process is getting back to that or remembering that, you know? Like, I'm, I'm of a firm believer that we are immortal souls. And that goes very far. But the fact that we incarnate here on terra firma, devoid of soul life memories, pretty much uh, sucks. Just pretty much yeah. sucks. And the fact that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like okay, we're, we're seniors in high school, but we can't remember uh, kindergarten to uh, 11th grade. You know, what kind of crap is that? You know, that's, uh, <laughs> so I think that's, exactly. that, that's an issue of that. And, Part of the work I do that I don't talk a lot about will be like um, helping souls crossovers, earthbound souls, you know, and it can be done like through you, you, when you take somebody into super deep hypnosis and you start tripping when you're trying to work on something else. It might be like, you know, smoking or weight loss or something like that, typical things, and they start talking about past lives. Their subconscious starts talking about that or they start talking about spirits that are attached to them, dead people. You know, and these wouldn't be demonic uh, demons that you're crossing over. These are just human people like you and I that have a certain death. They can't accept it. They run from the light, the ability to cross over, and they start jumping into the energy fields of other people and living their behavior patterns through that other person. It's very common to a point that it really, it really kind of trips me out. So there's different levels. You know, I hear so much talk right now about, oh, the, the, the reptilians. Oh, the archons. Hey, I'm not taking away from that at all, all right? But if we want to talk about the layers, we have a problem here of earthbound spirits that do not cross over. 
that, and I'll tell you, they're almost, the population of them is almost as numerous as the living here. That's, so that's, that, amazing. That, that's amazing. Yeah, because I was yeah, talking you know, to I, Preston Dennett about that. He says he does the same thing with astral travel during his, you know, when, when he's astral traveling at night during nighttime or whenever he's practicing this, that he can actually rescue these trapped souls, which I find fascinating and, and kind of send them off onto their next destination. You know, that is my favorite UFO researcher, Chris. He wrote his book, UFO Healings, in 1996 yeah. changed my life because I could not find out. I was very distressed. The fact I had positive contact, you know, but I couldn't find anything in the media that was not just because I did not outside of Bernie Hill that I didn't see anybody that looked like me physically. That's distressing. But <laughs> then going separate, <laughs> I didn't find anybody that, you know, any, anyone that was talking about positive contact the healing factor and, you know, these beings and these craft, and they all seem to be much more interested in the earth than they were us. When it comes like what they were doing with me, it seemed like they were interested in me remembering who the heck I am, my soul life memories, which I, I, I was born with past life memories and yes, my reincarnation, but they're not completely fluid. They're like, they're like uh, fragmented, you know? So that says something a lot about why we don't have access to that. And I think that that's something that, some of these star intelligences are trying to bring to us as far as maybe what our lineage are, you know, definitely outside this planet. And well, let me say something else outside of what we're hearing in, hearing in the media, I get stressed out. I just get stressed out too, because these cats went from the Pleiades. They weren't from Orion. They weren't from Sirius. They weren't even from these, this galaxy. So it was taken in. There's no frame of reference for that. And then when you go into the encounter itself, you're on board one of these craft, you're seeing things, technology that's so far beyond us or organic and everything else, that that's another thing. You don't have a frame of reference for what you're experiencing. That makes it difficult to recall things too. Right along yeah. with the temporal aphasia and all it's like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were saying something. Like no, that. that's okay. No, I was just agreeing with you. Um, it's, it's also a huge problem when you try to bring it to mainstream academia. I mean, there's nothing that it can be compared to at all. Um, but speaking of mainstream UFO coverage, you know, starting a couple of years ago, 2017, um, whenever they got wind of the uh, research project from the Pentagon about UFOs. And then all of a sudden we have the Tic Tac footage. We have the TTSA. Um, all, all of a sudden we're seeing talk of UFOs on the mainstream media all the time. Yesterday I saw an article about um, uh, an, an Israeli um, member of the military that says uh, extraterrestrials have always been here. Um, there's all this stuff going on in the past few years, and I wanted to get your take on it. I want to see if you think it's some sort of prep because they can't hold it back anymore, or are they just trying to just maybe roll out some new toys that they've had for a long time? Why do you think all of a sudden the, the UFO mania is going on? You know, I, I think it's very slow disclosure, you know, but I, I, I don't expect it to get much better than that. Honestly, you know, because right now I'm hearing things about like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get very political, but, you know, I stay away from that. But right now I hear a lot of people, since we're having the transition and presidents, all of a sudden it's, oh, well, the current president was just about to tell us all about UFOs. It's and like that with every president. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, when, uh, what I heard him say before is he said he didn't believe in them, that they were possible, but he didn't believe in them. I mean, I, I heard something completely different. Now, I could go back and I posted something on Facebook that was an interview done just before uh, Barack Obama got out of office. And he was asked by this gentleman, uh, he, he's talking about not being able to get information from some parts of government. And he said, what about UFOs? Hey, did you ask about that? He says, yes, I did. And he said, well, what'd you find out? And he's looking right dude. So I'm sorry, but I can't tell you about that. And he yeah. wasn't joking. You can look at his micro expressions right there. And he starts saying that it's amazing that people think Roswell used to be, that was a big conspiracy, but now that's like everyday stuff. And it's not so really ridiculous to think that the government has possession of a extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial craft. Yeah. And he says that in a way that is not really just. And I, I posted that because, I mean, I don't, I stay out of political stuff. But nonetheless, there's been certain, throughout the years, stuff that's been relayed down. And this is nothing new. It's a shame it takes ancient aliens to wake people up. The TV show. You know what I mean? This has yeah. been going on forever. This type of con contact down here, a lot of us is getting us. It's been sequestered so that we can be in some type of... um. I don't know, bubble. Cause I'll tell you, I, I thought I was at a real quick, I'll shut up, but I, I was at a point in my life where I thought I was done with these physical experiences. You know, that's the thing for a young, I'm, I'm not a young cat. I'm not super old, not ready for the third leg yet. My cane, but I'm not a young man either. So I figured I was kind of done with these hardcore experiences that seemed to kind of stop when I was around the age of 28, 29. But then I go to that place. I was invited to speak at that Isetti ranch. And I go out there, and it's some sort of a property that's definitely got some sort of a vortex, vortex gate in it, some type of a device inside that mountain that's projecting images and things to people through orb technology, that it was out of control. And I went out there, and just my perception got blasted the first year I was out there. Oh, Lord. I was unprepared. It's one thing to sit here and talk about the holographic principle and talk scientifically, it's another thing to really see it. To see something like a UFO go down into a mountain, then you can see it through the mountain. And somebody else, you said somebody else had been with me. I was walking around out there with a guy that worked out there. And he's walking me, we're just talking, and we start seeing this. We see this thing go down to this in the mountain. He saw it too. I mean, to a point to where he's, he's kind of bent over like a, a football player, and he's huffing real hard. Like, like breathing really hard. And I asked him, I said, Albert, his name is Albert. I said, he's kind of a young cat, maybe like 26. I said, uh, what are you seeing? Cause I didn't want to say anything just in case, you know, the mountain air got to me and I'm having some type of a weird delusion. The delusion, what I was seeing is not shared. And he said, he's saying, you know, he goes, it's impossible. It's impossible, Barry. It's impossible. I said, never mind that. What are you seeing? He says, I'm seeing that UFO through the mountain. Is this some sort of trick? Some sort of hologram? I could just look at us. I don't know what the hell it is, man. You know, but we witnessed this together. So it's little things like that that show how really fragile our perception is of what reality is on this planet itself and what's been going on here for a long time. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to go so far off for <clears> No, that's no, that's perfectly fine. That that's right on point. Um, and to close out tonight, I'd I'd like to get your thoughts on 
where the future of ufology is going there's a lot of infighting right now um amongst people in the ufo field i think that if we can bring the paranormal fields the cryptid the ufo consciousness spirituality if we can bring this all together and get these researchers on the same on you know on board with the same thing that it's not just your nuts and bolts and it's not just your uh, metaphysical conscious it's a mix of everything and there's some stuff in between that we don't understand like cryptids and things like that um i'd like to get your thoughts on that if you know if, if these researchers could come together on this i think we could have a, such a greater understanding of what's really going on out there you know here's the problem i see and i'll, I'll speak frankly it's probably gonna piss some people off um you've got the ufology community you've got the new age community and they're rather separate or not, you know, what you've got that are attracted to that, you've got those people that are a mentally ill, delusional, you've got straight up liars, you've got people seeking fame. And, you know, and the conspiracy theories, they go so wild, that honestly, it stops the real scientific community from taking any of it serious. And that, that's a shame because my main reason for coming forward was I wanted to talk to the scientific community and help unite it. I've been blessed enough to do that. You know, I've got a couple of scientists that are calling me and talking to me once a week, but it's yet they're not going public about this and people don't know that they're even dealing with this because it's not mainstream. Because I think of the amount of stigma that you have around the ufology and new age communities. I'm not, any, I'm not meaning to discredit everyone that's a part of that you know, but by any, by any stretch, but it doesn't, it's not inclusive of the scientific community. We've got to bring them in. Barry, I can't hear you. You went dark there for a second. Hello. Hey, yeah, you went dark there for a second. You were just saying we have to bring the scientific community in. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 In with all this, with the true abductees and contactees, like, like what you and I have talked about here, this Christ energy thing. You know, I've, I've seen this, that, that type of an energy is what they're using to run these craft. They're, we call it orgone energy also or prana, but they're bringing a type of life energy out of water, and they're using that to use as propulsion. And in some cases, it's also the life energy, the prana, the crew itself, that they're not just crew members. They're also the propulsion. You know what I mean? The navigators. It's, a, it's, it's not the separate things that we think. So when dealing with that, you know, how are they polarizing this, this living light, as they were calling it to me quite a bit? You know, it's just things like that. We need to, our science needs to really breach that. And these are the things that will take us into being a type one civilization, where we're no longer just on, on the, on the uh, fossil fuels. We start using the parent star as our main power source. Space is our main power source, you know. Right. Yeah, we're coming up with, I mean, they have so many independent researchers that are coming out with information about these ancient technologies, energy, frequency, vibration technologies that we don't understand that could change our world so greatly if we just, if we had these technologies again. Um, we're making some great discoveries when it comes to these independent researchers. Do you think there'll come a day in our lifetime where we can see some of these great technologies, these vibrational frequency technologies, uh, consciousness technologies possibly come into our own lives? Yes. You know, something like, for example, this is a little different than that, but I just 
I was mentioning uh, the amorphous glass, the transparent glass that they have now. You know, people talk about Roswell all the time and what the Roswell debris was supposed to be like. Well, you've got this amorphous metal that shows it's back engineered right there. That's something, but, but yet I don't hear the ufology community and the new age community talking about this metal and the scientific discovery. See, they're not paying attention or the fact that, you know, we've got the mushrooms that are being used for things that like, you know, to, to the plastic, what I was talking about, that's not making, that's not making mainstream or the fact that when we talk about fungus, I'll end it with this, that, um, you know, we had this fungus that was growing on the wall of Chernobyl and Fukushima. That's called radiotropic fungus. And it's been suggested to me by some scientists I talked to, several, they said they thought that maybe that was possibly from an extraterrestrial civilization sent here to help us cope with radiation cleanup. And that would be from one of those civilizations that might be on the nano scale or the pico scale. Just food for thought. Not saying it's yeah. right, but the, the scientists are talking about it behind the closed doors. I think it's interesting. It is. Yeah, we live in very fascinating times. I think we're going to see some very, very interesting things come out in the near future. And Barry, I want to thank you so much for coming on again. That was great information. And of course, we'd love to hear from you again in the future. Well, thank you for having me on, Chris. And I really appreciate all the work you're doing in this field and trying to bring enlightenment. So uh, thank you very much. Yes, thank you again. Uh, let's talk to you again in the future. Till uh, next time, everyone else, you have an excellent evening.